The Wheelhouse Podcast is here. It's big. It's large. There's so much happening. I, I, I can't wait to get into today. We're going to talk about the power of old aged sunglasses. Kate Bates's quiz mastery is going to be revealed. Arnemiek van Vloten, one of our favourites and mates, has revealed some unsurprising career ambitions, I think it's safe to say. And just how much crazy do you need to be a pro cyclist? Kate Bates is going to give some insight on that. Oh, that, wow. <laughs> just, and that's just, how we start the show. Should have let you know beforehand, but yeah. that's yeah, really leaning heavily on you for that. One thing I think you will like is we're going to take a little, just a quick trip around Australia and do a bit of a top five. Best cycling spots in Australia. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I, I leaned heavily into that one. <laughs> I'm dreaming of a vacay, Joel. Is, oh, aren't we all? Didn't you just get back from a vacay? I did. Well, I came back from two, actually. Yeah. Um, oh, good. sorry. Course, My yes. bad. Well, Luke and I hiked in Tassie, but that seems like a um, eon ago now. But last weekend, uh, with Jordana uh, and Courtney from Chicks Who Ride Bikes, we had Jordana in the studio last week. After yep. that, we packed up the mountain bikes and we headed off to go camping, Joel. Uh, we went to the Hidden Vale Adventure Park, um, which is the HVAP bike okay. park, if you will, yeah. um, on our mountain bikes, looking less resplendent in matching chicks who ride bikes jerseys, no less, Joel. <laughs> uh, and we, we terrorised the locals a little bit. Terrorised the locals? How yeah. so? Well, look, I think a lot of them were quite serious. Okay. Uh, and then they had three chicks who just spread out across the fire trails and chatted incessantly um, while also breathing quite heavily as well. We were making a lot of noise. It wasn't... Great. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't quite. But some really interesting things for me, um, the first of which was I turned up in my tight Lycra, beautiful champ sis mm. kit. Yeah, okay. They... They immediately offered me some baggy shorts. Like reverse baggy. It's yes. A, yeah. Courtney it, it, said, uh, I've got these. Maybe you, you want to borrow them. Oh, I, I, love that, I love they give you that gentle sort of maybe yes. you want to borrow them, but in other words, go put this on now. Well, you look I, ridiculous. I, said, I said, no, these nicks are great. And she was like, no, no, seriously, Kate. Just try them for fit. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, pr- no press, yes. but just if you don't get changed, we're going without you. I did. And incidentally, I'd chosen to wear my beautiful uh, CWRB road jersey. Yes. Um, but Courtney had her lovely mountain bike jersey that they'd made, which okay. is like longer sleeves, baggy, no pockets. I did realise out on the mountain bike how we were doing, like having fun. No pockets were necessary. Like it's different to a road ride. <laughs> uh, but it was cool. It is so cool down yeah. there. I love it. We're going to take the kids back there because it is absolutely appropriate for all age levels and skill levels. Okay. Um, the girls took a shuttle up to race down the hills. Uh I am not interested in that. I wanted to ride up the hills. You rode up. Oh, I was going to ask uh, you about that. So okay. that I, think, I think I've got a few too many road riding habits that yep. I need to kind of squeeze out of me. But we camped, Joel, on an alpaca farm called Mystere Alpacas. Okay. Unreal. About 500 metres down the road from the adventure park. We went down to the bottom of the paddock with our swags. Yep. Mountain bikes in the back of the, uh, in the, back of the ute. It was great. It sounds truly awful, uh, <laughs> said no one. No, it, it sounds was, completely brilliant. It was yeah, amazing. It was amazing. Well, big so. hello to HVAP Park. Uh, yes. The, the alpaca, what was it? Mystere. Mystere alpaca. Yeah, Kathy and Lockie there. Yeah, great. And um, our lovely friends at Chicks who ride bikes, proving that they do indeed ride, ride bikes. Bike. Yeah, they and don't just talk about I it. I wanted yes. to ask you about the uphill versus downhill because one thing I've learned in my, as you know, I, I lean towards mountain biking, is that I love the downhill. 
Um, yes. I, I, I can't find any degree of, of, of love for riding up hills. <laughs> I, I, on road, it's easier, but on, on like on the, the mushy, uneven terrain of, of a mm. mountain trail, it's just horrendous. It really is. Yeah. Well, you go you go slow on the mountain bike up the hill. Well, at least I do. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I do too. Trust but me. <laughs> my, my first ever encounter on a mountain bike was being so arrogant that I thought I had excellent skills because in my road racing career, I had some of the best skills in the whole bunch. In my track racing career, likewise, like that was a big part of what helped me win bunch races was my ability to make my way through a bunch, through holes that really shouldn't have been there. So comfortable on a bike, except a mountain bike's different. And I ride a mountain bike like I'm riding a road or a track bike. With a lycra and everything. It yep. is bad. It you is commit. bad news. My, yep. The biggest scar I have on my body is this giant scar. Like it looks like a Harry Potter scar, except it's on my knee, where I had to have like open surgery after the first mountain bike race I ever entered uh, because I went around a little hairpin like I was on a track bike and just went A over T and yeah. ended up in the hospital. So, I've got to tell you, like, when, mm. as far as sporting expressions go, there are none more accurate and more applicable then get back on the bike in cycling. <laughs> Wouldn't well, you agree? Look, incidentally, I couldn't get back on the bike that day. Well, uh, no. <laughs> I had somebody carry my bike out while I used a stick as a crutch to get out. But it is so fun. Uh-huh. And I did – it was a bit of a role reversal because usually, you know, I come in as the most experienced one and I'm helping people with skills and teaching them how to do stuff. But this was so great with the ladies because they were – teaching me great you know and Courtney was like you've got to relax Kate and you know your knuckles are white she's like it's a one percent decline and I was chill out almost freaking out yeah Yeah. so it was really cool a sobering weekend in a lot of ways well I actually think when we take the kids down there so age range five to ten yep um the three girls and a boy is that I will be learning with them and so I think that's the way to do it. But Kids teach us many important lessons, including how to stay on a mountain bike. <laughs> exactly. That would be great. On the Wheelhouse yes. podcast. So I, I had a ride too, just quickly. I punched up 200 Ks this week. I'm very Did happy you? with that. That's impressive. One of them, uh, one metre of one of the 200 Ks involved me almost running over a red belly black Ooh. snake. And I started having these questions in my mind. If you ran over a snake, would it be able to lash up and bite you yes. on the leg. Yes. The answer is yes. Is that a thing? Okay. It is a thing. So good to know. I'm never riding my you bike do- again. <laughs> you do not. And I know that when people come to Australia, you know, they they hear all about the snakes and the spiders. Yeah. After Wollongong, they hear now about the magpies and yeah. also the uh, seagulls. Uh, Balcomolma. Watch those. Watch out lesson. for those gulls. Um, but no, you do not ride over a snake because they can do that. But also, imagine it flicks up and gets stuck in your front wheel. Oh, stop and it. And then you're on the ground, A over T, on the ground. With a snake? No, no good. Avoid Not going to happen. Well, Not I'm having a break. It's too hot. I'm going to go to road biking for get on the, oh, the road for a while because okay. not as many yeah, yeah. snakes. I'm I'm actually surprised that you weren't at the airport chasing Logan Martin. Now your mate, uh, Logan Martin, once again he's off to Abu Dhabi for the BMX Urban World Champs, and I love him so much. He basically has just come out and said, "Hold my beer," ahead of the champs. I want to ask you a quick question because he's a defending world champ. He's he's been winning everything this year as well. Is he our most winningest BM, BMXist of all time. <laughs> BMXist. He's a BMXist from this day forward. I think I need forward. a BMXist after I try and ride downhill on a mountain bike. I think 
No, he isn't. No? Oh, we okay. love Logan. And um, I'll also say that I, I have enough pride that I shall never chase Logan Martin through an airport it's done. again. One and done, you reckon? Well, it wasn't one, um, but I'm done. <laughs> I love uh, your honesty about that. I love the authenticity <laughs> on display. Yeah, it turns out he's faster on a bike and on foot than me. Uh, no, I reckon Cebu, Caroline Buchanan okay. would be. Uh, they do different styles of BMX, yep. but Cebu kind of does everything. She does it all, yeah, And yeah. she's been world champion on the mountain bike as well. Like, she's pretty incredible. And she was in uh, Queensland a couple of weeks ago. They had like Nitro Circus, I think it was. Yes, And she was actually working on the broadcast. I saw that, yeah. Uh, So she is just a multi-talented woman. We tried to get her into the studio, Joel. It didn't work because they had a few mix-arounds with their program because of rain, because it was an open-air event uh, at Suncorp Stadium. But so cool. So their fault, not ours. Their their (laughs) fault, not ours. But I reckon Caroline Buchanan would be. I dare anybody to challenge me on that one, actually. I'm very confident. Put it out there. Um, Who is Australia's that. most winningest, most successful, most celebrate-worthy BMX assist yes, BMX in history? Assist. I think it's a great debate yes. because I, you just look at Logan Martin, you look at the fame around Tokyo and all of that, the success, the, the homemade circuit. Yes. He's, he's just a champion. He's just he basically he's like, yeah, look, I've had a good year. I'm going to keep having a good year. That's just how it yeah. is. Logan from Logan. We love him. We love him. We love him. Let's stay with Australians. <laughs> so I've got a curiosity. I have a curiosity. Yes. I have many curiosities in the sport of cycling. This is another one of them. So Australia's national team for the 2023 UCI Cyclocross World Champs has been named. So first things first, uh, congratulations to Tristan Nash from WA, uh, Talia Simpson from South Australia, Sam Northey from Victoria, who the uh, the two under-23s and the under-19 respectively. Now, here's my question. Mm. Selected from applications, which were the highest since 2019, what does this mean, Kate? Yes. Why are you applying to be in the Australian team? Uh, you, you do, you, but you don't have to send in like a CV and a headshot. Oh, you don't? You like don't like I was going to ask no you. Cover letter. Like... No. Uh, how it works is it goes through a process called an expression of interest, and they do the same for esports, yeah. uh, incidentally. So we're in the middle of it at the moment for um, the esports coming up in February. And basically, what it is, is that it's not a centralised sport in Australia. And there yet, are. Yet. Yet. Um, both esports and cyclocross, like they, they are getting a lot more um, organised with national rounds and whatnot. But you also have a lot of athletes racing overseas, doing events that don't necessarily have the visibility in Australia or the coverage. Okay. And so pretty much what the EOI says is, do you want to be on the national team? If so, fill in these questions, which is, you know, your best results, et cetera, et cetera. And okay. then they, they choose based on that. I mean, because the other thing that we need to consider, less of a thing for esports, but definitely for cyclocross, is there's not funding for it. So when you join the national team, they don't then pay for everything. Sure. And you need so to go out and raise money. And, yeah, yeah, so it is a little bit different because it's not supported by the Australian Sports Commission or Sport Australia, who yep. funds a lot of the road and track and Olympic disciplines. And so they need to... Uh, it, it would be a bit odd if Oz Cycling were saying, hey, could you please fund yourself to go and race? Like they yeah, need to sure. show the interest and Okay, um, I, I, the that makes sense. Yeah. Display your commitment to the cause by yes. applying. Well, but basically. I mean, it's, and it's the same for esports, although the finances are very okay. different because they actually send them a trainer and they do it from home. But, you know, Jay Vine, our, our world champion, yeah. he's sent in an AOI. And, that's, that's and his wife out. Bree, who was the top Australian last year. Yeah, that's worked out okay for him. Yeah, but they, yeah. but they, like some people say, oh, that's 
a bit, you know, it'll put the people off if they have to actually apply. No, I've got to tell you it doesn't. Not the case. No, because we've got Jay Vine, we've got Freddie Ovette, we've got yeah, Bree okay. Vine, we've got Vicky Whitelaw. Like the big names in esports in Australia yeah. are dedicated and have spent the time filling in their applications. Same with the Cross Riders. I think it's cool. Keeping their LinkedIn profiles well, up to date, <laughs> that kind yeah, of thing. And yeah, and their socials. And, no, but it's good yeah. because the more you see exponents of that success, of that magnitude, obviously the more incentive there is to say, oh, there's a massive path to, to glory and, and I'm going to say riches here as well. So yeah. that's great. No, I like it. It shows a bit of dedication. Thank you for clarifying that because it took me back to when I made the under-14 North Brisbane rugby league team. It was a phone call. It, it was. was a, it's a tap on the shoulder. I was like, uh, look, we had a look at your CV. It's awful. We're going to pick you anyway. Uh, but no, look, I love it. I think it's great. I also noticed the UCI Nations Cup is coming up now. It's in a, a place that is both a happy and a sad place for you and for the Wheelhouse podcast. It's in Mallorca, which you have some very special memories from. But more recently, we have a bitterness toward because we didn't get invited to Lance Armstrong's party. I know. Look, I love Mallorca. Um, Lance and his... Lack of invitation for Special the wheelhouse. Friends, whatever. You know, that dented it a bit. But no, I won my world title back there in 2007. There you go. And I was so excited to race on the track. It was actually built specifically um, for the then incumbent world points race champion in the men's um, event, Juan Linares. Okay. The most amazing points race rider in history until Aussie Cameron Meyer took over essentially. But they built that for him for his final race uh, in 2007. He won the men's event. I won the women's event. But I tell you, the minute I walked in there, I just had this special feeling because it was built for Juan. Like, And he had been my kind of hero yeah. watching him race and, and emulating his racing style. Yeah. So I love it. Um, so they're sending the track riders there for the UCI Champions League. I, it was they, When they announced the riders, I was a bit like, oh, I'm not even... I'm not even sure how it works. So I had to do a bit of a deep dive into it. There's 72 riders in total, uh, equal men and women. But what they do is the top six sprinters in both the sprint event and the Kieran event at the World Championships get an invite. Okay. And then the top three um, athletes in the endurance event, so the scratch race, the omnium, the pursuit, that the top th- the medalists all get an invite. As you can imagine, there's a bit of overlap uh, in those. And so then you have other people uh, added to the pile in kind of like a wild card. Okay. Um, Are so they we've sending got Chloe CVs Moran and over there, cover letters as well? Uh, no, I don't think so. But I, okay. I would suggest that you would, your federation would definitely be pushing, mm. saying to the UCI, yeah, they weren't in the top six, but we'd love them to be considered. Okay. So it truly is. It's not uh, like a Nations Cup, like a World Cup. It's not qualifying for the World Championships or something like that, like mm-hmm. the World Cups are. Okay. It is truly just a showcase of the beauty and excitement of track cycling. Beautiful. There's music. There's probably a lot of beer, I'd imagine. Yep. There's catering in the middle. Like, it's quite cool. That does a little, sound like, cool. A little bit of disco, a little bit of race, a little bit of disco. Yeah, okay. I like a bit of disco. Yeah. Um, that, that sounds completely fascinating. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm learning a lot here today. I, the, the idea of building courses, I love that. I love that about the sport so much. Building courses, velodromes. V- build, well, no, no, building a <laughs> track just, to suit a did champion. You, did you just call a velodrome a course? No, well, you whatever. Did. You know oh, what I'm saying? Gold. Building, building. <laughs> hey, Merxy, could you clip that one up Yeah, yeah, us? thank you. Build, build, building <laughs> tracks. Oh, that was like a voice from God. We just had some technology <laughs> and uh, Merxy on the headphones. Anyway... Building a course for a winner, sorry, building a track for a, for a known winner and a champion, A, 
talk about pressure. Like, hey, here's your track. If you don't win, you're going to look like a bit of a, a bit of a douche. And also the whole idea of the Logan Martin. We spoke about Logan Martin building mm. a, a track in his backyard mm. to pro a course in this case to, to practice his BMX. Mm. $20 million, I think, or something ridiculous like that. His, his backyard Maybe I'm track. wrong about the figure, but it was multiple million. Crikey. So wow. anyway, mm. it's a funny old thing. It's a funny old sport. I just say the pressure that that puts on you. But anyway, I'd love you to help me write a cover letter because I want to apply it to be on a national team at some point. We'll workshop it. Done, yeah. I think we should put it out to the public because that's what <laughs> Grant Thomas did this week. There's yes! a segue. Yes, he did, didn't he? What about this? This is fantastic. What GT should I? I, I, I don't like it. I got the shits with the Tour de France course. Don't like it. Help me out here, <laughs> literally, whole world. Yes. What should I do next? What Grand Tour do you reckon I should race next year with some fun emojis? Mm. Uh, there's, I, I note there is no, like, middle finger emoji, which he could have done there. <laughs> he, he's not happy, Jan, um, with the course for the Tour de France next year. Not enough time trial kilometres in there for him. Okay. Uh, he believes that in 2022 his form was better uh, than when he won it. So he backs himself that he's still really capable uh, of getting a result, but not on that course. It looks like he's heading to the Giro. So right. that is a very exciting uh, undertaking. But it, it did make me think, like, can we crowdsource uh, selection, tough selections? You well, know, can, a good idea. can, can yeah, we put out, can idea. some teams put out, look, we've, we've only got eight spots, we've got ten riders, yeah. help us choose. You're welcome to apply. Yes. Yeah. Or, or Garrett, like, I've got to choose two Grand Tours out of the three, help me. Okay. Provide yeah. justification. What do you choose for him? I would definitely say uh, the Giro. I would definitely say the Giro. You know, I love Geraint Thomas's, like how he puts it all out on social media. Cause he's quite a character and he's mm. really well liked and respected for that. Uh, and when I saw that on Twitter, it made me think of the very funny time uh, that he lost his sonnies. Mm -hmm. He fell off in the 2019 Tour de Suisse. His Oakleys. And yeah, he, yep. he lost his Oakleys and he's, he like hashtagged um, a post like send help, like help me find them because he wears sunglasses that date back to, I think they're a 2010 design. Um, so they're white racing jackets. One of my least favourite Oakley designs, I've got to say, but okay. there you have it. They're like his lucky sunglasses. And despite all of these beautiful new models being released and him being, um, you know, favoured by Oakley to model. To ambassador and To and ambassador yeah, sure. these, he has pretty much refused. Oh, he, doesn't, does, he uh, brushes them. He, right. he is not um, prepared to wear other glasses. So in 2015, he actually lost them. And was distraught and, and he was saying on social media again, this is why it's so funny, uh, somebody needs to help me find them because they don't even make them anymore. Like, what do I do? You help know? me find my obsolete sunglasses. Yes, and so there's been multiple occasions. Yeah. But this year at the Tour de France, they actually, Oakley got him in other glasses. Oh, stop Just it. for one stage though. Yeah. And only because Oakley and the Tour de France, I guess they'd done a deal because yeah. the Oakleys had you know a Tour de France logo on them. So they made him wear them. He did not look impressed. I couldn't find a single photo of him smiling or I would have put it didn't up here. Didn't want a bar of it. Uh, in, he didn't want a bar of it. I so, love that meeting where it's like, hi, Grant, sorry, just, yeah, boss of Oakley here, sorry. I, I know, you know how we've given you like $12 million over the last, do you mind just just one well, time wearing I, I the I wonder product, how many probably? pairs of racing jackets he has to have been able to get them to last 12 years. That He's alluded to running out of supply, but... <laughs> he must have one yeah. hell of a stash. I reckon I've got some somewhere. Okay. 
maybe in a box in a garage or something, but perhaps they have a bit of value. You know? Find them, find them. I think yeah, that's a great idea. Could get idea. him on the show. I'll give I'll give him my old racing jackets if he'll come on the show. Let's Tom see what Pidcock. I can do. I want to talk about Tom Pidcock as well. If we if yes. we may just quickly pirouette on. Well, while that. we're so, on that team, yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. because Tom Pidcock doesn't care. I don't even care. Mm. I don't even want to win a TDF. And you know what? If I don't, I won't go to bed crying. Says Tom Pidcock. It's a bit traumatic, isn't it's it? It's a little bit, a little bit heightened. I, I mean, I, I think the threshold for going to bed crying, I would consider that like quite traumatic. Mm. Something quite significant. I mean, not to judge um, the soft, empathetic souls who um, do get quite teary. I'm turning the mirror on myself here. Um, but yes, he has said that he's not interested. Like he just doesn't doesn't care. Not. He doesn't care whether he wins or not. It's doesn't he? It'd though? be good, but uh, he's got question. other things on his radar. Doesn't well, he? Is he saying it because he cares so much that he doesn't want the pressure? Yeah. Or is he just genuinely? He loves riding his bike. He's the Olympic mountain bike champion. He's yeah. been tremendous on cyclocross. Is loves, road loves jumping in fountains. Maybe road's just a money vehicle for him. Right. Like road contracts pay higher than mountain bike or cyclocross, so maybe. That just works for him, but maybe it's not about ambition. I okay. don't know. We'll, well wait look and see. good on him. I hope he sleeps soundly because uh, I don't know. Yeah. Is, is he going to win one? I don't know. I don't know, don't know yet. But mm. but <laughs> but if he comes second, I'm wondering if a journo is going to say you're going to go to bed crying. Offer him a box of oh, tissues yeah. in the press conference. That'll get that'll get <laughs> ugly and awkward. Now, someone who is a lot more honest about their ambitions is. Your very dear mate and a member of the Dutch Trident, Artemik van Vloten, who has basically come out and said, "Hold." my Stein or whatever it is, because I'm just going to do it all again. I'm going to win the Triple Crown in 2023. Yes. I mean, Geraint Thomas is like crowdsourcing to try and find a strategy for his season. Um, Van Vloten's been like, ah, I don't need anybody's advice. I'll do it all again. again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Giro, Tour de France, Vuelta, she's yep. highlighted all three of them. I, would you would you de- would you bat against her after that Wollongong? Well, <laughs> like. it's it, it is a good question because I said it before the Tour de France fam in twenty twenty two the opening one. I think the biggest obstacle for her is herself and staying on the bike, and I think that the women's tours are evolving a bit so that they are more technical. You've got gravel stages, and I think teams can exploit her mm. weakness in that regard because they can't ride away from her. They can't drop her, uh, but they can put her under a lot of pressure in the highly skilled sections, descents. So I think about attacks in atypical moments yep. on the course. So, I mean, physiologically she can do it, but I just love the confidence that she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going for all three again. Yeah, what are you up to next year, AVV? Oh, yeah. just a triple crown. Yeah. Other than that, no, not really. Just a yeah. bit of work. <laughs> yeah. Might try and get a holiday not in. Not lacking but, yeah. confidence. I love that. Uh, let's stay with, with the women of the sport making big headlines and important ones. So, Ro de Genre, um, thank you, by the way, yes. <laughs> the appointed as the only female manager in the men's world to a human-powered mm. health, has announced her appointment. And what I love about it, massive congratulations to her, but what I really love about it is that she instantly started bringing out the horse metaphors. And I think they work beautifully. She's had a 20-year career in dressage as well and basically said managing a pro race team is like dancing with a horse. Mm. I thought you were going to say dancing with the stars there and I was looking for the link. Would you agree with that well, comment? Look, I... I 
can genuinely say I don't know what it is like to dance with a horse. I, mean, I don't have. <laughs> I thought you were going to say to manage no. a team. <laughs> I don't have any equestrian skills. Okay. Uh, but it is very complex managing a team and I think her appointment is monumental for a number of reasons. First, because she's the only woman in the World Tour or the Pro Tour um, to be managing. Mm-hmm. Our own Christy Scrimmager, an Australian has previously managed a World Tour team, uh, but she's not doing that anymore. So we currently only have one. She's yeah. not the first, but she is the only at the moment. Yeah. She brings with her a very different view. Like she's got a real diversity um, of opinions on sport that is quite different to what we normally hear. Okay, so yeah, sure. So for example, I mean, she used to work with Quickstep. Uh, she's worked with Kubeka. She has said a lot about when she was with Kubeka, just how incredible the power of a bicycle is and how it changed her view as to what cycling could do for the world. Mm-hmm. So that's what she's talking about. She's talking about replacing the fleet of cars for human-powered health to yep. make them uh, more um, climate-friendly. They're going down the green route, right? That's that's what she's focusing on and the mentality of the athletes, keeping them happy, all that sort of stuff. If you then contrast that um, with Patrick Lefebvre, who is the manager over at Quickstep, he's just talking about He's kind of smack-talking riders. He's talking about whether women's cycling is valuable valuable or not. It's all about these commercial circles. They call themselves the wolf pack. And sorry, for women, I've got to tell you, that is a really intimidating nickname for a group of men. Mm. Like alpha males, they're the wolf pack. Like, stay the heck away from me. Yeah, sure, sure. So her attitude is the complete opposite. She's And she said... I didn't know a lot about cycling when I started this, but she speaks many languages, which comes in very handy. She speaks French, English, Spanish, Italian, Flemish, um, not entirely fluent, but very familiar with Dutch and German. Okay. Right? So she's got these incredible skills, can negotiate these incredible deals, cross-continental. Yeah. Like what an asset to the sport. And I think that we need some more uh, team managers in the sport that aren't necessarily just cycling tragic diehards. Well, absolutely. But have a respect for everything, but also manage it like a business. But the like business-minded progressive thinking as well. She yeah. spoke about coming into the sport 20-odd years ago again, and it's just been women's cycling being a, a non-event. Like, this just doesn't even get spoken about. And she said that has changed remarkably. And by the end of her tenure, she intends to have seen it changed quite a bit more as yes. well. So this, not only the example of her appointment, but also the work she's going to do is going to... Con- continue pushing in an extremely positive direction. Yeah, she's a powerhouse. And I mean, with dancing could... like horses, I think it's just like they're temperamental old beasts, Is that like the a athletes. new reality show, like Dancing with Horses? It's a Kevin Costner movie. Um, they renamed it, yeah, Dancing with Wolves. Yeah. was the original name. The wolves name, are but... gone, the horses, yeah, exactly. horses are in. So, look, that's really interesting. We're going to stay in touch, and I'm sure she's coming onto the show next Let's week. Let's put Is that, that on the list yeah, of, okay. um, of to-dos. Don't want to make any promises. But anyway, Yumbo Visma had a promotion, a very interesting one, and I thought straight away, I thought, here we go here is the most mm. the most assured path to winning myself a winter beanie and a jersey by is by asking Kate to do the quiz and yes. I said I said Kate do you mind doing the quiz in my name if, you're not gonna you'll get it all yeah easy I'll get it right yeah. how'd you go 12 questions Joel um I'm gonna start by saying I got the first question right the first question was who was the first Yumbo Visma rider to win a race in 2022 on the 11th of January of course that's 
our one and only Rowan Dennis of at the Australian Championships. He won the time trial. Boom. Good start. One down. Yeah. Uh, I then faltered. Um, I got seven out of 12. Okay. And I'm a bit disappointed in myself, uh, to be honest. I, I got a question wrong about Wout Van Aert. Stop the and press. It, I got flustered. What was the question uh, about look, your, your mate? The question was, he won stage four of the 2022 Tour de France solo, attacking how many kilometres before the finish did he oh, attack? Geez. Okay. Now, I think, oh, we know what I think of Wout. I mean, he's like legend status, right? Um, you're a mild fan. Mild fan. Yeah. So I, I said 15 kilometres. Like, come on, more than capable. 11. Oh, answer. no. Yeah. And then the follow-up question, because I was now flustered, uh, didn't didn't handle it very well, was what race did he miss? What classic race did he miss because he was ill? Yeah. And I got that wrong. The answer was Flanders. Oh. So, what did you say? Um, I can't even remember what I said. Yeah. But I was just so flustered You're again. Saying, uh, uh, the, Parramatta, uh, the Parramatta Grand Final, no? <laughs> no, but no. That, look, I brought it back because Tobias Foss – Yep. The question was, where did he win his time trial world championships? Well, hello, winner, winner, chicken dinner, Wollongong. Yeah, right. Yeah. Boom. He lit up Wollongong. And I, I hit the key so hard. Yeah. Wollongong, yeah. You punched a hole through the table underneath that. the keyboard. Yeah, I gave yeah. myself a little bit of a I'm glad you didn't say Sydney pump. because watching the broadcast, it would be easy to think that Wollongong was Sydney and vice versa. No, there's uh, no those, harbour bridge in Wollongong. For those listening overseas, <laughs> it might still be confused about that. Wollongong's yes. about 80 kilometres or 40, 50 miles south of Sydney. So showing yes. Sydney and the world heritage and the beautiful buildings and the bridges there is a great way to showcase the region, but not specifically Wollongong. And that's what happened at the World Championships. Yeah. In all these beautiful images that were beamed around the world, a lot of them portrayed that Sydney was <laughs> merely over oh, the sea cliff bridge and just there. A stone's throw, assuming you can throw a stone 40 miles. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and, but there was, so it finished on a final one. And this was such a beautiful memory for me from this year, and it was like, it, the question was, at which Grand Tour did Bauman win the King of the Mountains jersey? And I knew this one because there's the most beautiful, iconic photo of Tom Dumoulin and Kim Bauman together uh, where Bauman won a stage at the Giro. And it was, I remember it because it was one of those moments where Dumoulin looked so happy. And we've spoken so often um, in his retirement about mm. how he was a bit miserable, mm -hmm. but this was a moment of real joy um, for him. And so I got that one right. Okay. This is part of the seven. That's really good. And I'm glad. It is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so glad that Tom Dumoulin's name randomly popped up then because that wasn't planned well, at all. And I just got to say, though, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I told you this before because I all was right. a bit. Bummed. Oh, no, you're, you're cringing. What's so going to happen? It said seven out of 12. Thank yeah. you. And fill out your details. So I filled out the details. And then after I hit submit, it said, um, you didn't get a very good score. Try again. So I don't know if we've even been entered. Oh, so we can have another go. Well, but I don't know if we'll get the same 12 questions. Uh, you surely you wouldn't. There'd have to be an algorithm to say, let's if another try, don't. I don't know. Maybe don't you know. do. But, but I don't have to do it blind either. I could, you know, wiki. But anyway. Okay. You mentioned Tom Dumoulin there. Obviously, big retirement this year. We thought we'd see him in Wollongong. We didn't. A, a long road to retirement. He's only 31, 32 years old. He's come out and basically said, Everyone who rides a bike professionally is is a bit crazy, um, and he was just ready to to press on with it. I'm interested about the crazy. He's he's referred mm. to it before the whole machine like existence and 
the the quote around the idea of getting up, training, smashing your body, crawling into bed, being exhausted, being flat, getting up and doing it again, mm. and somehow putting your body through repeat, and then realizing later, oh wait a minute, that's not normal life. You would have mm. some thoughts on this, I'm sure. Well, he said, yeah, I mean, he not so subtly said you've got to have a screw loose or two. And I felt victimised by that comment, Joel. (laughs) Judged, if you will. Okay. I don't know. How Uh, crazy do you need to be, Kate Bates? Yeah, you've got to to be a little bit cray-cray. I mean, I think you have to have an ultra-focus and you have to be able to really pigeonhole things in your life because even though, if you think about it, career never takes priority over family, Mm. for a little period it has to in a day-to-day logistical kind of way and you just have to be very single-minded, single-focused. And I I think you do obsess over a few things. You know, that's something that differentiates, I think, elite sports people uh, from the non. I mean, it's hard for me to say too much because I guess I am one of them. I acknowledge Mm. that... I have some habits that have been called quirky. Yeah. Um, I have been called mechanical before in my approach and reaction yep. to things. How hard did it hit you when you retired and you came out and that, that, that routine and that, that slog mm. was no longer, like abruptly no longer a thing? Well, I mean, by use of an example, my first job out of uh, cycling, because I was prepared in a way for the transition because I had a, an education behind me. So I had a, yep. an accounting degree. Nobody judge me, please. And uh, I went into banking Yep. and I got this job in banking because I thought it makes sense. I'm qualified as that. It's a customer facing role, you know. Um, and my first day I ended up asking the team, what's happened? What have I missed? Like everybody was miserable And I thought that something major had happened, but because I was new, I didn't know about it. And one of the girls laughed and was like, no, we just all hate our jobs. I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, but, you know, we're paid well and it is what it is. I didn't last long there. Like, it blew my mind. I was like, what? Is this what it is? And I think that's probably my first insight out of the bubble that I wasn't quite like everybody. Because in the bubble, you're just looking in a mirror the whole time, people around you. People are slightly better than you or not quite as good as you, but you all fill the same kind of mould. And I guess escaping from that, especially in examples where it starts young and and athletes are identified, I guess, at an early age and and it becomes that life from a very, as I say, early age, you become less and less prepared. You're, you're, I guess, one of the smarter, one of the lucky ones to have had a degree, whatever you had behind you. Some don't. And I want to use an example across sports at the moment. If I may, in the news this week, we've seen Scott Miller uh, oh. Olympic medal winning, silver bronze medal winning in Atlanta athlete who was who went to the AIS, I think at 15, knew nothing else, knew nothing else except for sport, 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 train, 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 success, success, glory, 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 but not quite the gold, whatever you want to mm. say about that. A huge, huge fall from grace when he left the sport and just had no life skills, no preparation. I think DeMult, like it all ties back into this point that Tom Dumoulin is making about that sort of you, it is that that weird, crazy bubble, and that that incredible amount of self discipline that it is inevitable that the fall, unless you're well equipped and well prepared for mm. it, is going to be a very, very heavy one. Yeah, I mean, I think so. The AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport, was sort of our answer after some poor international performances uh, at Olympics to help our athletes 
be better and focus more on the sport. But in many ways, it's backfired a bit because it's created a bit of a machine culture where the athletes don't have a lot of balance. And they're working on that a lot now. But, you know, Dumoulin really points to that when he talks about this life where you train as hard as you can, you're exhausted the whole time. And it took me a long time, Joel, to realise that it was a thing to bounce out of bed in the morning. Like people mm-hmm. used to and say feel it. Like, and I would literally <laughs> think they they have a screw loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bounce out of bed in the morning. I'm like, what are they doing? And I mean, to the point where I judged them and thought, you are not living your life properly yeah. if you have that much energy that you're so fresh. I'm like, go do something more. Yeah. I've calmed down from that. <laughs> <laughs> and the days that I bounce out of bed now, I'm so grateful for it because, I, yeah, I don't think elite sport is particularly good for you physically or mentally. Mm. I think there is a balance. Um, but ambitious people, you always strive for more. And then inevitably, I mean, that's part of why it's not just a physical thing, yeah. why athletes retire generally in their mid-30s. And, of course, you have some going longer, but a lot of that is kind of the physical and mental burnout Mm -hmm. because it is so intense. But I think, like, we're seeing more – we speak about it quite often. We're seeing more and more athletes be in touch with this side and have a bit more wholesomeness about them and a little bit more recognition of life and mental health, physical health outside their sport. We've seen a number of examples this year. Of course, your cousin – Jonas is a, is a big example when it comes to the taking care of themselves it's, mentally. Like we, so we spoke about Jonas, uh, of Vingegaard, course, reigning TDF. when he won the Tour de France. Yeah. But the, the cousin reference, because I, I at this point, Joel, I reckon there's some people going, I can't believe she's related. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thick as thieves. <laughs> yeah, my um, sister and mother took uh, ancestry, you know, DNA comparisons to find out our, our history. And we found out that we have a very solid block of Danish blood. Yeah, that's it. That's all and you so, need. yeah, th- therefore, there's the background to people who are like, what? Yeah, Kate and Kate Bates, former world champion, Jonas Vingegaard, a, a reigning TDF yes. champion. Well, just in case somebody says, oh, you're related to Kate Bates. And he's like, well. Uh, it will happen. Yeah, I guarantee you happen. that is going to happen. But no, look, back to, to-, to Dumoulin. Good on him for coming out. He-, he basically said how crazy you need to be. He confessed to really hating the sport in 2020 when he was doing the tour and, and all sorts of things going on. You don't hear that that often. You don't hear an athlete come out and say, oh, shit, I hate this job. Like you said before, going into mm. the job and everyone just being open. So I was like, no, we absolutely hate this. No. Well, and I'm going to use this as a segue because one of the biggest things for me is when I stopped cycling professionally, I didn't know what to do because I no longer wanted to, bearing in mind I also retired injured, but Mm. I didn't want to ride with these high-speed bunches anymore. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ride my bike and feel joy. And I didn't have a community to do that with anymore. I I almost feel like I disappeared off the cycling universe immediately because I didn't know where I belonged anymore. And what brought me a lot of joy and really brought me back into cycling is groups like Chicks Who Ride Bikes, where it's more about the adventure and the travel and and riding with people, but not necessarily in a hurry and just exploring. Um, And that's kind of thinking about Tom's next step and whether he just rides his bike for the love of it made me think of um, bringing along this week, Joel, I don't, we could turn this into a permanent segment, by the way, um, five best cycling destinations in Australia. Australia's best here on the Wheelhouse Podcast brought to you by Catherine Bates, uh, and I think you're in a great position to talk about it. For those that are listening on, I just want you to quickly listen and hear a bit of a, a bit of a clink. Oh, yes. This is the clink of no less than 10 
UCI World Championship medals. There's only one gold one, though. I don't even know where oh, it's stop, in a pile stop somewhere. Stop that. It doesn't matter. There's a whole <laughs> pile of medals there. They're all remarkable. Now, you're in a great position yes. to A, talk about what we've been talking about with Demoulin, B, talk about escaping from that and yes. finding good places to ride your bike. Now, I think this is a good list. This is a good top five, Kate well, Bates. Look, I think it's going to be a bit contentious because originally I thought, where are my favourite places to ride? Mm. And then I thought I might do a little bit of research to integrate some outside views. So it just wasn't me. But there's just so many in Australia. So the top five was hard to nut down. But I want to start, Joel, with Wollongong. Because I think with what we just saw at the World Championships, the incredible investment that the New South Wales government and particularly Wollongong City Council has made into the region, all of a sudden... We've seen emerge this really beautiful cycling mecca Mm. um, in Australia. And the Seacliff Bridge is just (laughs) incredibly beautiful. We saw it a lot on the coverage of the World Championships. We've got a picture of it in screen in studio here. Um, Joel, you know the region quite well. It's just so spectacular to ride your bike. And now that they've got all the infrastructure there, you can ride your road bike. You can go on the bike path. Beautiful trails, the Royal National Park down there. It's one of those great examples, and we're very blessed in Australia to have so much of this, where the the ocean, sorry, the forest meets the sea, the jungle meets the sea, whatever yes. you want to call it. And so many of our locations for, for good cycling spots are coastal, which is, I'm sorry, but why wouldn't you? Let's, let's look at it that way. But Wollongong itself, as you say, is this wonderful hybrid of all of these different conditions, environments. It's not an easy ride place to ride by any no. stretch. Ask anyone who, who competed that doing Mount Kira and whatnot eight million times over that week was, was pretty tough ask. <laughs> well, you but... can head down to Kiama and find the blowhole. Yes. You can go to Kangaroo Valley. Um, you can head up Macquarie Pass. There's a beautiful pie shop at the top. These places are all worth Googling they if you are. are listening on. Barrel These are all beautiful. Beautiful. Yes, inland, well. slightly inland places. Yes. Barrel, home of the one and only Caleb Ewan, I think yes. as well. And yeah. Don Bradman, if you're a cricket fan. Oh, there, that's fan. right, that other sport, sport person fan. from there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me move on to the next one. So, hang on, is Wollongong oh. number one or number five? Or does it not matter? Oh, gee, I didn't think about that. You're not that. ranking, okay, because well, I was going to say, surely it's not five. Yeah, look, let's just say these are the top five, all right? All right, good. Um, our next one is Cairns. I'm so glad Cairns is in there Cairns. at either number two or number and four. And I dare our uh, international listeners to try and figure out how to spell cans with the way we say it. There's an R in there just as a teaser. Uh, Now they've got the beautiful Atherton Tablelands, which is well known for its mountain biking, but now they have Crankworks. Uh, Crankworks is the biggest mountain bike festival in the world, Joel, and they've chosen Cairns for a round. They've already had one already this year. They will be coming back. It is just an absolute mecca for mountain bikers. It's incredible. The facilities, the locals, uh, they've got a lot of bike hires. They've got trails for everyone. So they've got um, more skills-based for people who aren't keen on riding too far but just want to have some fun and do some jumps. They've got beautiful uh, trails for the family that you can go on. It's also, if you just want to ride along the coast road, it's absolutely magnificent Mm. uh, there. I think Cairns, they were the first Australian uh, location to have a mountain bike world cup as well. So okay. a long history of support from the local government up there. Up there in the Smithfield National yeah. Park and almost oh. died from the heat and the exertion. But yes. it was good. Jeez, it was beautiful. Well, look, the only danger is that they don't have the magpie or the seagull problem, but they do have cassowaries. And crocodiles and um, like literally yes. anything well, and else. I think 
cassowaries are descended from dinosaurs, aren't they? I think so, yeah. yeah. So stay away from them. But otherwise... <laughs> These prehistoric birds of death, <laughs> yes. Um, Cairns, yes. So you can take your road bike, your mountain bike. That's pretty awesome. And just a note quickly, Cairns, uh, take cool clothes. It's going to be very hot. Wollongong, mm. renowned for wind, cold, chill. Lovely contrast in the climate Different here. packing lists. Yeah. Um, in the middle on, on your packing list, uh, we're going to Adelaide. Beautiful Joel. Adelaide. Um, of course, home of the Tour Down Under mm-hmm. and of Wollonga Hill, no less. Uh, Richie Port is the king of Wollonga Hill. Yes, of course. He's gone up there so many times. But far more than Wollonga Hill and even the Tour Down Under is just the incredible roads to ride around there. It is predominantly road riding that I'm familiar with in Adelaide. Yep. But you can go all the way up the coast uh, down to Victor Harbour beautiful wineries, beautiful coastal roads, but you can also go into the Adelaide Hills mm-hmm. and they've got these beautiful historic villages like Harndorf, uh, which is this fantastic German village. If you like a schnitty, it is head lovely. up to it's, Harndorf. It's worth the trip, it really <laughs> is. Yeah. You will, um, and fun fact, Harndorf is where I f- won my first ever uh, national road championship at oh, the wow. age of 13. Yeah, Insert sound effect. Yeah. That's the medals clicking <laughs> once again. Yes, well, so I, I love the it's, – it's very sentimental to me. But as the Tour Down Under highlights so beautifully, yeah. you can stay in Adelaide and do all of these day trips and day rides. And so it is one of the most accessible cycling areas for that. And, of course, beautiful Glenelg and Henley Beach. Yeah, Glenelg coffees. is gorgeous. And for those it's who haven't beautiful. visited, Adelaide is a surprisingly small – CBD, but it is. It's it's that well placed that the the regions around it. It's not that far to get out and see some truly exactly. inspired country. What's the next um, number so two, number four, whatever we've, up to? <laughs> yeah. we've got a bit of a plane ride here because we're heading over to Western Australia. We're jumping in a hire car or a, a local lift, whatever yep. you like, heading down to Margaret River. Oh, magnificent. We've okay. got a beautiful photo up in set, Joel, uh, of the Cape to Cape, which is a mountain bike participation event slash race. Yep. People there for different uh, horses for courses, uh, but with a beautiful lighthouse on the coast, the Lewin um, Cape, Lewin Cape, I think it is, mountain bike. It's so beautiful down there. It's so lovely. And uh, look, they have everything. There's the the kind of sometimes loathed beach riding because yep. riding on the sand is very difficult. Tough business. But yep. they have just the most amazing facilities down there. Uh, and I wrote down, I, I was looking up because I thought there's a lot of races down there that I'm not that familiar with, but I know they're there. Mm. Um, and I found a facility uh, in Margaret River, in the township of Margaret River, which is quite small, um, called the Hairy Marin Bike Cafe. The Hairy Marin. Hello, Hairy Marin Love Bike that. Cafe. Okay. I Want to know the etymology of Harry Marin? Me too. Who Can we is find he? That? Yeah. <laughs> or she? <laughs> Let's not discriminate. Who is the Harry Marin? It is, and and again, not dissimilar to Adelaide. Like the wineries there are absolutely That's beautiful. beautiful. And you can ride in the morning for long hours, sit on the lawn at Lewin Estate. Yep. They have bands playing, concerts. It's just. It's Again, just a beautiful holiday. Beautiful and coastal. Be, beware of the great white sharks that populate the region. But stay still, on your bike. Don't go in the water. Maybe stay away from the I water. I think. Maybe stay away from the water. Uh, and where we're going to finish, Joel, yes. we're getting back on a plane okay. or on a train or in a road train. Let's give a quick bit of context for overseas listeners, viewers here. So yes. let's say <coughs> – excuse me, I'm getting that excited here. We start on – let's say we start at Sydney, Wollongong, which is Australia's east coast – we're jumping in a plane for six hours heading directly west to get to Western Australia, to get to Perth. Yes. Now we're going to Melbourne, 
which is on the bottom side, which yes. is another five hours. It's five flight. hours from Perth. And yep. remember that from uh, Sydney or Wollongong to Cairns, that's a long way. A um, I, I might need some direction from our EP, three. Merxy, yeah, um, as to how long that flight is I th- or how many kilometres it is. I'm going to say, my, gee, my North Queensland. I'm going to offend someone it's here. A, th- I'm gonna is say- it a about 600k from Brisbane to Cairns? No, it's about, it's closer to 1,200. So from Brisbane to Cairns? I think so. Okay, so if it's 1,200k from Brisbane to Cairns, it's then another 750 from Sydney. So nearly 2,000k. Yeah, let's let's just hit this and please please yes. accept our apologies in advance. It's a long to way. Any mappers out there that are sitting there going, what are you doing? <laughs> it is it's a very long way. It's about 2,000k. Yeah, you're, dri- yeah. You're, you're not driving. Okay, so then we're heading to Melbourne and we're going south. Yep. And we're heading to the Bellarine Peninsula. We're going to oh. start in Geelong, um, home, of course, of the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race. Yes. Um, down along the coast there, we're heading to Colac, Great Ocean Road. Uh, these are Cadell's stomping grounds. Yep. Um, he did grow up in Catherine in the Northern Territory, but uh, more recently he is down on the Bellarine Peninsula. It is the most beautiful riding. Aside from the epic beaches and coastline, mm. it is just beautiful roads to ride on. Um, if we can broaden our geography just a tad and also include uh, along the very south coast of Australia over to Warrnambool, yep. um, we've got the oldest bike race in Australia, the Melbourne to Warrnambool. Mel- Melbourne to Warrnambool, of oldest course. Oldest yeah. longest. Uh, we've also got the Dirty Warney, which is, uh, we talked about last week because yep. Simon Gerrans was racing it. And also for cricket fans, I think Dirty Warney has a very different meaning. The late, great the Shane Warne. The late, Warne. great yep. Shane Warne. Uh, and that's a gravel race. Mm-hmm. So again, whatever bike you want to ride, mm-hmm. your mountain bike, your gravel bike, your road bike, it is just absolutely amazing. And again, that beautiful contrast mm. of terrain as well, because there's some beautiful sort of jungle, almost semi-tropical feels as you're yes. going along Great Ocean and, Road. And, you know, down to the Otways, yep. it's magnificent. And, you know, on top of the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race, of course, we've got the Amy Gillett ride yeah. that is down there as well I feel uh, every like year. This, this, so. is a, this is a tight list. It's a good list. It could mm. be a longer list. They're all beautiful, beautiful locations. Great mm. Ocean Road worth just seeing, even if you're just a tourist. And, it, like, get on a bike, do it. But... Get involved because there's some beautiful sights to see. I want to add one to the list if I can. So this is where I discovered oh. my love of cycling when I really cemented it was actually Joel's hotel quarantine room <laughs> yes. in Fortitude Valley, Brisbane. Oh, so yes, after the Tour de France in no, 2022. Yeah, uh, no balcony, 21. no oxygen, no clean air, just a, a, a blissful two weeks yes. of riding a stationary bike. From memory, I provided you with a training program. You did, you did. Did and you it follow started it? With, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Hello, look okay. at me. <laughs> Weapon. <laughs> Every day, mate. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. But no, anyway, it doesn't matter where you mm. do it. Australia's full of beautiful, beautiful, beautiful locations. Now, Kate Bates, I, I just want to touch on something quickly because I'm confused. Okay. I'm so confused by the UCI Indoor Cycling World Championships. What in the golly mm. gosh in heck <laughs> Glad you brought this is up. indoor cycling? Well, look, we've been talking about taking your mountain bike, your road bike, your gravel bike. We've been talking about BMX, cyclocross. There's another discipline. You're excited I'm so excited. It's called indoor cycling. um, And there are two elements to it. There's artistic cycling, Joel, Uh and there's also cycle ball, or as the Germans... (laughs) Cycle ball! And as the Germans call it, rad ball. Rad ball. Rad ball. We are getting our bikes and going to do some rad ball. Rad ball. Now, I'm going to get uh, Merxy, our... 
master EP to pop some photos up. And Joel, for our listeners, I want you to describe what you are seeing because we are going to be seeing artistic cycling. The first world championships were in 1888, a long history. Can you describe to our viewers what you are seeing to our listeners? I'll give you a literal description. It's a a bike doing a massive wheelie. with a, a girl on the pedals standing upright, looks like she's sitting on the handlebars, but her feet remain on the pedals, and there's another athlete sitting on her shoulders. So it looks like a great, the great Swiss tower. They're wearing Swiss colours. Looks like the great Swiss tower of absolute madness. <laughs> the great Swiss tower, yes. Yeah, so the bike is vertical. Yeah, the bikes. Doing, I call it a wheelie, a mono, whatever yes. you want to call it. It's it's a big one. Yes. Okay. Let's. Um, we've got another one up here, uh, Joel. We've just seen the Great Swiss Tower. What are we looking at here? This one's slightly tamer. So the athlete <laughs> is sitting in the saddle rather than standing on the or sitting on the handlebars. The bike is still doing a wheelie, a more moderate wheelie. I'm going to yes. call this one a 45 degree. <laughs> Upright death defier. <laughs> death defier. Yeah. Yes. So, and then we, we have an athlete on the show. Actually, shoulders. that's what I call it. The 45 degrees of death is what that <laughs> one is called. Well, look, we're not finished yet because the fellas are up, Joel. So, uh, here is another one, two of our male competitors. I've got a name, but it's got a swear word in it. Go for it. It's called the head F. This is called the head expletive. Right. That's all it's called. Okay, it's a guy right. doing a headstand, but <laughs> his head is resting on the seat of the bike He's holding the handlebars. His hands are touching the hands of his mate, who's also holding the handlebars. The reason he's holding the handlebars is because he's doing what looks like a battered sav uh, <laughs> split off the top of the bike. So I, I actually thought that was a how's your father splits. Okay. Because so the first rider is looking directly into the groin okay. of the other rider. You know what we'll call it? The head porn. <laughs> This is called the head the porn. The head porn. Yep. Okay. Now, we've got another beautiful display um, here. <laughs> oh, <God>. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Describe right. this one for us, Joel. Uh, so this one is called the leg, a uh, lot of leg. It's called the lot of leg. Show Long. us some legs. So it's two athletes at full stretch. Uh, the athlete holding onto the seat is doing a super superwoman kind super of stance, woman, like yep. a vertical, a horizontal. And her mate's like no room on the seat for me, so I'm sitting on the frame using the front uh, spoke as my footrest. Mm. Somehow the bike still seems to be moving. Yes. She's got a foot in the spoke. Well, it's not, not in the spoke. I'll just pick you up slightly there. It's sitting on the front wheel nut. It's on the wheel nut. Okay, yes. that's that's wheel. There you go, the front wheel nut. The front what wheel nut. What an appropriate nut. expression. <laughs> this is wheel, wheel nuts. It really – okay, I, I think, yeah, I'll just call this the, the leg glimpser. Oh, the leg glimpser. Yeah. All right, I like that. Yeah, the horizontal leg leg show. <laughs> it's, it's impressive, isn't it? It's it, it's something else. It so is it's like so a, a combination of acrobatics, psychoticness, and cycling. Yeah, they have a fixed gear. Uh, yeah. They're pretty normal looking bikes. Fixed gear. The bars turn um, three hundred and sixty degrees. Huge in Europe. All the rage in Europe. Huge right? in Europe. Okay. The Germans, in particular. So World Championships started in 1888. Okay. Incredible history. They performed 1888, tricks. just yes. quickly. Okay, sorry. Yeah, right. Um, we're going to pop these up on our <laughs> socials. So check out our Instagram. So you're Facebook. telling me they were bashing out head pawns back in 1888. Yes. And wow. giving a, a little bit of a how's your father. Yeah. Uh, that, that's yeah. The, the nice to meet you. The nice, the, yeah, <laughs> the nice, nice to, to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah. The, you should 
buy me a drink before you. Maybe we just call it the that. groin face because <laughs> oh. all you do is put your groin in their face oh and then you ride around in circles. Well, what do we call this one? We've got another one up this here. This is called Joel. the elbow bum. So Could basically, describe it, the elbow bum. I mean, that's pretty descriptive. Well, itself, the rider at the back has got her both of her hands on the saddle and the back of the saddle, but she hasn't got a lot of room, so her elbows are, are almost going into her bum. Whereas the rider in front of her has her two hands on the handlebar and her bum is almost in the elbows of the rider behind her. So it's called the elbow bum right. because both have bums near elbows. <laughs> or or uh, hey there, honey. <laughs> nice. Again, an- another version of the nice to meet you. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think when we put these up on socials, um, we may get some alternate names. You know what I want to do? I don't mind. I want to send my CV and cover letter and my but LinkedIn this- profile to the indoor... UCI championships. Well, I'd, phew, we've tell never you what. had an Aussie. We've never had an Aussie. Okay. So there is an opening there. And um, we have, but uh, the Germans are very strong. So let's see if we can get some Aussies there. Um, before we go, yes. Joel, because otherwise I'm just going to keep asking Merxy to put up more okay. photos for us to describe. Um, I just want to talk about a fantastic uh, program that Oz Cycling have been running um, with their She Rides program, which is their women's cycling kind of development arm. Yep. Of course, we had Jordana Blackman from Chicks Who Ride Bikes last week talking to us just about, you know, the different challenges that the females face. Um, yep. So Oz Cycling, in conjunction with um, the New South Wales government and some funding um, around the Wollongong World Championships, they did this thing called Zero to Hero. And so they took five ladies uh, and they were raising money and uh, awareness for the National Breast Cancer Foundation. But these five ladies had different reasons for wanting to get better on their bikes. Sure. From improving their physical health to their confidence to wanting to ride with their family to simply just improving their bike skills, right? So they all had a different journey and they had a mentor. The plan they started in July was on October 30 that they all rode 50 kilometres together. Oh, cool. And we're talking about people who couldn't really ride bikes, yep. right? So literally zero to hero. Uh, I can proudly say that they all completed awesome. the 50 kilometres together. Yep. Uh, and so they will be using this as a bit of a footprint to roll out around yep. the country. And, and another legacy item from the Wollongong World Championships uh, that Oz Cycling have done an amazing job um, yeah. of harnessing. So, the gift Anya, that keeps on giving. Gone. On your ladies. Yeah, absolutely. Massive, yes. massive congrats. That's fantastic. Yeah, so I'm really pumped for them. I, I think it's such a cool initiative, and these little things are popping up left, right, and center. They're just riding by. They're not doing elbow bums, porn heads. They're just, just well, riding. I don't know. Maybe that's the next phase. Maybe we could start a thing. Maybe there's that's the next phase. Can you imagine? From like hero to <laughs> hey, there's. Hero Ooh. to hey, there. <laughs> I didn't the even de- mean that to be so catchy, the but it's fantastic. The debaucherous world championships. We'll, we'll work on that. We'll workshop that here at the wheelhouse because that's what we do. This has been fun. It's always fun. Yeah. It's always fun. I'll just give one more little medal clink. clink that's clink, time. Clink. That's time. That's the bell. And it's also 10 world championship medals, just saying. My name's Joel Spreadborough. Kate Bates, also present. It's been an, a, a good ride. It has been. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll put the call out there. Yeah. If we left off one of the best cycling destinations in Australia, uh, because it was very coastal okay. uh, focused, then um, give us a I'd drop love us a to line. Know. Yeah. Did yes. you have a quarantine hotel room love affair with the bike as well? <laughs> I think you might be on your own there, Joel. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
And just to just to clarify, because I've been crunching the numbers, this is all just coming out of my head, of course. Twenty five hundred kilometers is Sydney to Cairns. And I'm claiming false credit. That was Merxy super yeah, well, producer well, that came up we, with that we number. We came up with about I said twelve hundred kilometers, and that's uh, plus roughly the seven fifty yeah, from so Brizzy to Sydney. We were we were horrendously wrong. So um, for even for Australians, I don't think sometimes we realise how big the country is. Yeah. Um, but certainly for our international. Guess that's a lot of. It's they a, definitely, I don't think, realise. But there you go. So we've gone yeah. twenty five hundred kilometres north. Yeah, we've gone all the way across the country, about four thousand kilometres over to Perth, and we've come on back. Yeah. So you need your frequent flyer points. Pack a neck pillow. Yeah. This is a fair <laughs> bit of time spent on a plane. But uh, look, I, I want to continue doing this because there's so many locations to showcase. So oh yeah, another top elements. five next week. Let's see oh, what we can we come go. up. Listicles. Yes. Oh, is that a is that a word? Listicles, Listicles is an absolute right. thing, and it's now a thing on the Wheelhouse Alrighty. podcast. And if you want to join the fun, uh, like, share, listen, tell everyone. It's a fun little show. This we'll be back to do it all again. Thank you for being part of the ride. <laughs> Thanks for the little. Uh, Jingo there, Joel. I was about to say thank you to you, and I was like, I don't need thank you for coming on your show, so I'll just turn that thank you into thank you to everyone else. Bye. <laughs> Bye. The Wheelhouse is produced by River City Studios for Listener. Executive produced by Luke Mears and the mysterious Merxy. It's written and hosted by Kate Bates and me, Joel Spreadbutt.